This is Pastor to Pastor, a podcast of InnoBTS and Level College. Pastor to Pastor is here to help you lay a biblical foundation for your ministry. Hello and welcome again to our Pastor to Pastor podcast. I'm Adam Hughes and I am here with my friend and colleague, Charlie Ray. Charlie, how are you doing today? Doing all right, Adam. Thanks for asking. Appreciate Your that. semester going well, su- settled in. We've got students back in class now. All that going good for you, man? Yeah, it is. Of course, we recognize people will be listening to this at different times, but we just started back in person. So that's been good. Really refreshing. I've had a lot of good uh, I really enjoyed being back in the in the classroom and, and being live and in person with people. So I'm struggling with that a little bit because here's the other thing. They don't know what week this is, but for us, it's, uh, it is, like you said, it's week the, four, I think. Yeah, it's the right? week four. And so we're back in class. We've got students for the first time, which really energizes me. But yet at the same time, here at the end of the week, we've had this cold front, gloomy days, overcast, and rain come in. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, fi- I'm feeling a little bit caught between two worlds. I'm like, I'm really excited <laughs> about the students. And at the same time, I'm like, I think I need a nap. So yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know what to do about that, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I could use a nap when this rain comes, too. So hopefully we won't put people to sleep today. We're going to attempt today in our podcast not to do that. But we are excited to be back with you guys. We're excited that you're joining us today and this week and listening to us on this brand new podcast. And just to kind of remind you of what we've been talking about uh, in this segment of podcasts is we've been talking about and defining and looking at the biblical, biblical definition, biblical foundations of what is preaching slash teaching. And specifically, we've been focusing in on perhaps maybe a little bit of a difference between those two things is what is preaching and then what is pastoral preaching or what is uh, teaching. What is it that you're doing typically on Sunday mornings? And if you guys remember, we've spent some time now walking through several passages of Scripture, doing that exegesis and, and pulling these truths out, what we can see in context that we learn in God's Word about teaching slash pastoral preaching. I think we did four or so of those. And then last time we moved into and we looked at more of a biblical theological perspective on what do we see about teaching in the Old Testament? And uh, so today, we're ready to continue in that biblical theological approach to defining, looking at the foundations for pastoral preaching or teaching, and we want to move into the New Testament. But Charlie, we're not just going to move into the New Testament broadly. We're going to take a focus today, and we're going to get a snapshot, and we're going to look at what we learn from the master teacher, if I can say it that way, Jesus himself, and what we learn from the role of teaching from Jesus' ministry. Now, I'm always really careful here to say when we look at and talk about Jesus' ministry, certainly we don't believe that the primary role that Jesus played was just to come be our example. Uh, Jesus is not. Jesus' ministry wasn't just a good example. Ultimately, we, we do hold in frame of reference that he came to die. He came to die on the cross. He came to die for our redemption, for our sins. But at the same time, that in no way minimizes that Jesus does set an example in ministry for us and what we should do, and the pattern that we should follow. And I think we certainly see that as it relates to the teaching slash pastoral preaching ministry. Yeah, and I think we begin this idea that Jesus was a teacher. Now, now obviously, you've already made the point that he was more than that in a sense, right? That's it, it doesn't stop with being a teacher for Jesus. But if you look at Jesus' ministry, you read through the Gospels, there's talk of Jesus teaching all over the Gospels. It was obviously an important part of 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 Jesus's ministry, um, and, and so I mean, I would I would say it this way that that there was a very important proclamation or 
teaching aspect to Jesus's ministry. And we can find that from a, from a number of different passages. As you think about just proclamation generally, uh, you can think about um, even how really that's what Jesus did in a sense, right? He goes around preaching uh, in different areas. You even see, um, you know, we, we were talking earlier before we started, even just about Mark 1 and how, um, you know, these crowds begin to come to Jesus and, and they're seeking healing, but Jesus actually leaves to go preach in other places because that's why he has come, right? Or we could say, and and, and this is kind of one of my favorite um, passages I like to joke about a little bit, Mark, Mark chapter 6 uh, says when when Jesus saw this great crowd, it says he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. I might have already said this before in one of our podcasts, but that's always my answer to, hey, you preach too long. Is just I say, man, I've got so much compassion, <laughs> uh, I just got to teach you many things. I, I can't not so do much. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my my heart for you is so great. I just can't stop teaching you. I got to keep going. So, um, but even if you just look all throughout the Gospels, you see like in John eighteen. 24, you know, it talks about Jesus's uh, teaching ministry. He says, I've always taught in the synagogues and the temple. And even in Jesus's trial, you see one of the things even his opponents talk about is how he was teaching, right? And so we're just beginning here with the observation that Jesus was a teacher and that teaching was an important component of his ministry. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. And you said some things there that were really interesting. You and I have had this conversation off uh, off mic before, if I can say. I almost said off camera. We're not on camera. Off mic before. But I think that's exactly right. It's interesting, I think, sometimes, and I think this just highlights more, without getting into the specifics, is this preaching, is this uh, evangelistic gospel proclamation, or is this teaching of his followers, which we'll talk about. Uh, regardless of that, let's not get into that right now. But it's interesting when you think about the ministry of Jesus, and certainly Jesus is one that did have compassion and did care for people and all of those things. I think if we're not careful, we actually have a perception of something else or would think especially the way Jesus has talked about today, that he would do the exact exact opposite of the things that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. If he's trying to just establish this following, if he's trying to draw draw a crowd, if his if his ministry is in, how many people can I get, get around me and and, uh, and 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 all of these healings and all of these other things that you would think at the end of Mark one, what you would see there is when they you know he's in Capernaum, He's healed, uh, I think that's where he's healed Peter's Mm mother-in-law. All these people are coming to him for healing. The disciples come out to him and say, all these people are looking for you. And the tone almost seems to be that at that point, they think he's going to say, well, let me go to him and and do more healing. Mm -hmm. And he looks at him and basically he says, let's get out of here, which again, almost seems strange until you understand that Jesus certainly focused and understood that a primary, if not a primary role of his ministry at that time was the teaching and preaching ministry. Same thing you were saying there about the feeding of the crowd and uh, and him looking at them and having compassion on them. And because he had compassion on them, again, you would think he would, well, he gives them more food, right? But what he does is he teaches them because a primary role of his ministry at that time that can't be denied is Jesus's, uh, Jesus's role, Jesus's act of, of teaching them, teaching them truth. Well, I think we're talking about levels here to a certain extent. You see this reflected in modern discussions where some people want to see Jesus's primary ministry as teaching, right? So so primary ministry is not to come as a, as a ransom for our sins or to right. save his people from their sins. So there are some in, in, in modern Christianity who would want to see pro- Jesus primarily as a teacher. There would be some who want to see him primarily as a healer. Exactly. Right? And so we are trying to make the argument, well, he is all of those things, right? But primarily, I mean, I think the primarily attention of Jesus is if, if he doesn't come to suffer and die, 
what effect is this teaching? Yeah, right? exactly. So we, we are trying to say that all of this matters. So I think sometimes our reaction to those who would sort of deny um, the, 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 the sacrificial death of Christ and say, no, he's really just a teacher. The proper response is that to, is not to say, well, no, Jesus didn't care about teaching, right? The proper response is to say, no, Jesus did care about teaching, but that teaching has to be said in the context of his death and resurrection. And if I can say it this way, and, and we've not talked about this uh, outside of this podcast before, so you might say, no, wait a minute, I don't know if I agree with that or not. And if so, that's perfectly fine. But I was just sitting here thinking about how all of the Gospels frame Jesus' public ministry, the beginning of his public ministry, or maybe his ministry as a whole. Again, understanding the ultimate aim of his ministry, like you said, I think you just said it well, is to suffer and die, give his life as a ransom for many, many because if not, the teaching really uh, matters little. But at the same time, it, it really seems to me like, and I'm not trying to force uh, eisegesis on, but it seems like uh, three, if not all four, of the Gospels frame Jesus' introduction to his to his early ministry, his public ministry, in this idea, if I can say it this way, in the dissemination of God's truth, mm-hmm. thus teaching, right? I mean, think about how even Mark's gospel begins. Uh, it's It's got the forerunner John coming, but then uh, 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 God himself proclaiming, this is my son in whom uh, I'm well pleased at his, at his baptism. Right after that, Jesus came into Galilee uh, proclaiming, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, you get into the healing. And then right after that, you've got Jesus again saying, let's go so I can preach, that's why right. I came. And then think about it for a moment. Think about Matthew's gospel. Certainly there's a couple chapters that all this introductory material, the birth narrative and all that goes with that, the fulfilling of prophecy, and then his baptism, the preparation for ministry. But then what happens right after chapter four, the preparation for ministry? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing we see? Right. Like Sermon on the teaching, Mount, right? right? The yeah. teaching. And then I think you can even look at John's gospel. I'm kind of leaving Luke's out for a moment, but I think you can look at John's gospel. How does John introduce Jesus? And again, I'm not I'm not trying to say that Jesus is just uh, literally the written word on the page personified, but Jesus himself, right, is, is the truth um, that John is presenting with the Father, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is God with the with with the Father at the beginning, and here He comes, and what does He come to do to 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 bring to bring uh, this understanding, this reconciliation of God to man, and uh, Jesus is there as the divine divine Word. Yeah, and even to touch on Luke, since I'm gathering it's your least favorite gospel, apparently. But, uh, no, <laughs> no just it's just that I was trying to think off the top of my head, <laughs> so and Luke, I couldn't remember. Luke, we have Jesus. One of the themes we see in the gospels is Jesus teaching in the synagogues and in the temple, right? And so in Luke 4, you have sort of setting the context for Luke, Jesus' proclamation in the synagogue, right, where he reads from Isaiah and then talks about the fulfillment of Isaiah in his life. And so that theme of Jesus teaching in the synagogues, in the synoptics, at least early in his ministry, then teaching in the temple, whether in John or in the end of the, his ministry in the synoptics, right? Uh, so I think Luke sets the stage with Jesus teaching in the synagogues, which is a pattern for Jesus's ministry that goes from town to town, preaching and teaching in their synagogues. And so I feel like I should say this is the difference. This is what happens when you get a New Testament uh, guy that knows the New Testament in the room with just a simple-minded like country <laughs> preacher over here. That's why you're here, Char. Well, that's not the only reason you're here, but that's a good reason that you're here. Oh, well, let goodness. me let me say this. So I think we've probably we. We could go on, but we've well, well established, I believe, by looking at the New Testament, looking at the Gospels. Certainly, we're not saying this is all he was, but we're saying Jesus certainly was a teacher, and Jesus taught. So, if that's the case, and we're looking at the ministry of, of, of Jesus, is there is there some is there some things that we can learn, or there some principles we can gather, 
or some different aspects of the teaching of Jesus that we can talk about. So one of the things to touch on is the source of Jesus's teaching, right? So in John 8, 28, Jesus says, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me, right? And so even we see Jesus sort of saying that he he, he speaks with the authority of the Father, right? That the source of his teaching is from God the Father, and that that's where uh, sort of the authority of his teaching derives. Now, of course, we recognize Jesus as God himself, right? <clears throat> but Jesus is is basically saying that his authority is a divine authority uh, to be a teacher. So I think it's just one thing that I would, I would briefly touch on to begin is think about as Jesus is a teacher, you know, sort of what is the source of his authority? Yeah, and and I know we're not to the practical part of this podcast yet, but one of the things we say is, I'll be careful here, we're not saying that Jesus had a barred authority, but in one sense we are saying he had a barred authority. He had authority within himself, but yet he still looked to the Father for that authority as his source. I I do think that is a good reminder at this point for our listeners. I, I say in my preaching class all the time, it was 1970 that... Uh, Fred Craddock first wrote the book as one without authority. Now, I think that that meaning probably has a couple nuances in there, but he is talking about preaching. And one of the things he seems to be saying is that we live in a culture that doesn't really appreciate or, or, or recognize the authority of a preacher. And then maybe the other side of that is bound up in that implied is, do you really have any authority as a preacher? And to which my response to my my students is, well, yes and no, or maybe no and yes. In and of yourself, you don't have any. But absolutely, when we are committed to rightly proclaim the Word of God, we do have an authority. It's just a borrowed authority. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that pattern, like you're saying, is set or laid for Jesus himself. Not that he didn't have any authority of his own or does have any authority of his own. He's absolutely equal with the Father. He is God himself. He's God in the flesh. But at the same time, I think of several places maybe near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but even at the end of Jesus' ministry, uh, when when you know, John chapter 15, 16, and 17, when he's wrapping up before he goes to the cross and that kind of high priestly prayer, he's very careful to say to the Father, right, that in some ways, like, he's not, he's not giving them or doing anything that he didn't see the Father himself doing. The Father's working, he's seeing the Father's work, and he's doing that. Yeah. I think these two things are closely tied together. It's not just the source of his teaching, but we've already gotten into the authority of his teaching because that's one of the things, if you read through the gospel, Gospels, that stands out the most is the authority with which Jesus teaches. As a matter of fact, that's what a lot of people comment on concerning Jesus's teaching. Um, you'll see them, you know, say, say things like, who is this guy who teaches with such authority, right? And in Mark one twenty seven, what is this? A new teaching with authority, right? Um, you see comments all, even at the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount, which you alluded to uh, a few moments ago, there's these statements about the authority uh, with which Jesus teaches. Uh, so the Sermon on the Mount closes with this statement. Uh, and when the Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes, right? This is not a regular teacher like the kinds of teachers that we've had. And I think those two things are, of course, interconnected, right? The source of his teaching and the authority of his teaching. And that's what ends up amazing the crowds a lot. He's teaching with such authority. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You were, you were just mentioning this, but, but uh, even there on the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, uh, it just seems to be that the, the tone or the temperature of that was the authority with which Jesus had that they had not seen or witnessed mm-hmm. before. And I think that's exactly right. Maybe even in some of the you have heard it said, but I say, I say to, to you, that's exactly that's what exactly right. what I was thinking about. That's basically what you just said. There's That's the whole pattern of everything we see in Matthew chapter 5, right? 
the, the second half of, of, of Matthew chapter 5 and that part of the Sermon on the Mount as it relates to murder, as it relates to uh, to adultery, as it late, relates to purity and let your let yes be yes. All of those things seems to be, here's what you've heard, but here's what I'm saying yeah. to you, which brings that authority into it that they had not witnessed before. Well, I, to try to tie it back to our topic from last semester. So when we got into the theology of what is a pastor, we spent some time on, I think we called that Jesus the Chief Shepherd was that sort of podcast, right? So we're making similar claims there where we are saying that Jesus is the chief shepherd, right? He is actually, this is where the term under shepherd comes from to refer to as a pastor, which is, you know, a word that you'll hear bounced around from from time to time, right? We serve as under shepherds under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. I think we're making parallel arguments there with Jesus's teaching, right? And this is your borrowed authority concept, right? Where Jesus teaches with authority. And just as Jesus is, just as our pastoral ministry is modeled on Jesus as the chief shepherd, <laughs> our teaching ministry is modeled on Jesus as a teacher. But we are saying there's some distinctions there, right? We don't have the authority as an under shepherd that the chief shepherd has, right? We don't have exactly the same authority in our teaching um, that, that Jesus has in his teaching. Um, I don't know. Just thinking off the top of my head, nobody's ever left one of my sermons thinking, saying, "Man, this what authority he teaches." I've never with. seen someone <laughs> preach and teach with that right. type of authority. Exactly, right. I don't think it's happened to me either. It's never been said yeah, to me. What a shame, right? So, so, so we are making these claims that there's patterns that we follow, but of course, we're at the same time acknowledging that there's a difference between us as teachers and us as shepherds and, and Jesus himself. I think what you just said, uh, I mean, can we coin a, can we coin a phrase here today? We've got under shepherds. Are we under teachers? Can we, okay, can we say that? Fair enough. I, don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying based on what you said, because I think you're making a really good point. So Charlie, I'm kind of thinking about this and, and bringing this all together as we think about what we learned from Jesus's teaching. First of all, just establishing that Jesus Jesus was, Jesus is a teacher. Perhaps Jesus is the master teacher, preacher. And from that, we can say, look, there's a there's a source to Jesus's teaching that we recognize uh, that's the Father himself. Then we say there's an authority that Jesus has that's unique and different than what those in Jesus's time had seen from the scribes or anyone else that was teaching at the time. But But what else do we see? Is there something else we come to that's very unique in the teaching of Jesus that we learn from Jesus' teaching in the New Testament that we can really connect the dots to how we can think about pastoral preaching today. So I think the the last thing for us to talk about maybe is the content of Jesus' teaching. So I, I didn't I didn't I never alliterate stuff like and you. By would the like way, me it to, just I'm really assuming, bothers but... me. I really think it f- affects our friendship in a way that I don't know how to put into words. Right. Well, sorry. You, you'll just have to learn to deal with that disappointment, I suppose. But uh, so so uh, yeah. So we end with the content of Jesus' teaching, which I, I think is tied into the source, right? So we do see Jesus teaching from the Old Testament, right? Now, now, tying this all in together, he's teaching with authority from God, but he also teaches from the scriptures. He reads Isaiah and, and the synagogue and and proclaims truth from Isaiah. We see him dealing with the Old Testament law, and some talking about adultery and, and murder and all of those th- kinds of things in the Sermon on the Mount. But as we talk about the content of Jesus' teaching— we do see two words, and you actually see these juxtaposed a number of different times in the Gospels, uh, particularly in Matthew, where it'll talk about Jesus preaching and teaching, right? And you and I have been bouncing back on, forth on, are these two different things? Are they the same thing? 
you see in Matthew a couple of times where it says that he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So, so I want us to go back to some questions that we had asked on one of our prior podcasts on not just what is he teaching, but who is he teaching it to? All right, and so I think one of the things that we see about and we have spent some time pointing that out as we've looked at the specific right. passages, like who is this to, and 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 who it's to uh, has an impact on the content. What is it that they're doing? Right. So I think in sense we see Jesus often teaching his disciples. Now, now we were actually talking about this before we we came on. Right. When we say disciples in the Gospels, we got to be a little bit clear on who exactly we're talking about. Do we mean the twelve? Or do we mean all those who are following him? And, and I think sometimes we mean both, right? In this case, we see him teaching his disciples. We do see Jesus teaching the disciples away from the crowds, right? So, so in other words, in Mark 4 and in other places, we see Jesus explaining the parables to his disciples in a way he doesn't explain them to everybody else, right? Where they're coming to him sort of in, a, in the house, right? The, 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 the textual implications are there. This is not around the rest of the people, and they're asking him, what, what are you talking about, right? And Jesus is explaining things further to his disciples. Even in Luke 11, where, where you know, Luke talks about uh, sort of his Lord's Prayer, I guess if you can say it that way, you know, it says Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, right? This is Jesus saying, this is how you pray. Or, or to, to frame the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount starts with this concept of teaching, right? It begins with... Jesus uh, sort of opens his mouth to teach them, and then it ends with what I already quoted, you know, they're astonished at the authority of his teaching. So we back up and say, what is the Sermon on the Mount? And we do see Jesus, again, I want to be somewhat careful in how I say this, not just proclaiming the gospel in an evangelistic sense, but we see Jesus teaching his followers, this is what it looks like to follow me. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, I just pulled it up here and I was going to read it. I think it makes your point very well. This is how the Sermon on the Mount, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, reads in Matthew's Gospel, beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, seeing the crowds. So maybe we're thinking there, okay, he's fixing to teach the crowds. But it says, seeing the crowds, he went up the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, again, we're we're not saying that's necessarily just the 12. It's probably more. It's probably those that were following him at the time. And then like you just said, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, and then we get the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matter of fact, I would say, and I've said this before, and I think you're right. I'm, I'm, pick, I'm, I'm not trying to narrow it down to just the Sermon on the Mount, but we have this, uh, this it may be, most elongated teaching of Jesus there in Matthew's gospel kind of uh, parsed out for us. And so I do think there's something to learn from that. And I've said the same thing. Certainly, I'm not saying there's nothing evangelistic Mm -hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, I think about uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, where it said, where Jesus commanders him to enter through the narrow gate. So there seems to be something evangelistic about that. However, he still could be there talking to his disciples or those that are following at the time. But there's also a lot of material in the Sermon on the Mount that seems that, here's the way I say it, this whole idea of the kingdom and this whole idea of there is a present kingdom because there's a present king. And if you're going to follow Christ, there seems to be some idea of what does it mean to reside, to conduct yourself in the kingdom now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, like you're saying, teaching them what it means to follow him. Mm-hmm. And so there is an emphasis in that in Jesus' teaching. Not just in the Sermon on the Mount, but explicitly in the Sermon on the Mount. 
and, and what we might call a discipleship emphasis, right? Not just a gospel proclamation emphasis, though you think you and I would both agree these are tied together. Right? Absolutely. You, you, yeah. you ought never have one without the other, right? You ought never have a gospel proclamation that doesn't lead into discipleship as people are saved. And, and if you if you have discipleship, it begins with, right? So, so we're, not, we're not trying to completely separate these two things. But I think what we're trying to do is to make the argument, again, we started with what is preaching, which by that, you and I mostly mean, again, you've said it this way before, when you or I stand up in front of a church on Sunday morning, right? And What is it that we're doing? What there? is it that we're actually doing? And so I think that you see some differences there where some people would argue that that's gospel proclamation. You preach the gospel, you call people to, to trust, trust in Christ, to repentance and faith. Of course, I'm never going to argue that's not part of what I'm doing, but I think as we look at Jesus' teaching ministry, we see him doing things that go far beyond that. Or maybe I can even say it this way, that there are the logical implications and outflow of that. Now, how do I pray? What does it look like to me, for me to live faithfully in reference, we brought this up earlier, in relationship to hatred towards a brother or sexual immorality or all of these different topics that Jesus talks about all throughout his ministry, that that's what we're trying to get at when we say a teaching ministry. It's connected to, again, this idea, which we'll get into later, I'm sure, of teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ? Absolutely. And just as we kind of uh, think perhaps about wrapping up here today, I, I, I want to mention something else also about the content of Jesus' teaching. You you alluded to this, but I think this is very important. One of the things when I'm teaching through the history of preaching, where where does preaching history begin? And I think a lot of times like my students immediately go to the patristic era. Mm-hmm. But if you look at most of the histories of preaching or even church history, right, we, we say that what we call Christian preaching is uh, is deeply steeped in Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. and Jesus' teaching preaching. Well, I, I say that to students, and I think a lot of times what students think is, well, that's if you, if you kind of think of preaching this way or teaching this way, revelatory preaching or explanatory preaching. Revelatory is where you're bringing new revelation from God. Explanatory is where you're explaining the Word of God. And I think our minds go, and you said this well, that the prophets and Jesus always and only did revelatory preaching. It's just new revelation. Mm-hmm. My argument's been, I think they do a whole lot of more, more of explanatory preaching than we give them credit for. Even the prophets themselves, and I know that's going back, but I've said this before. I might have even said it in our Old Testament overview. We think that they're just giving a new word, and I'm not, I'm not dismissing the divine nature of what they were saying and the predictions they're making, but what I am saying is it wasn't just completely detached from anything that God had said before. Think about Deuteronomy 28, mm-hmm. the curses that are going to come. Well, they're explaining those curses in context and now these people that have disobeyed God. Well, Jesus himself, you mentioned this. I'm not saying that he never gave right a new word or, 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 some, or some further explanation of something that wasn't known before, but a lot of what Jesus was doing was he was taking a word that God had already revealed that was already what we would call the Old Testament, the Scriptures, and he's explaining that or perhaps giving the ultimate fulfillment or application of that. And so, again, I, I don't want to get you off of what you were talking about, but, but I do think there's something to be said when we ask about the content of Jesus' teaching. A lot of it was explanation of God's Word, mm-hmm. God's Scripture. I think that says something to the modern preacher today as well. Mm-hmm. 
about the source. It's not the source, but the content of our preaching. Yeah. Even thinking a lot about a lot of Jesus's parables are, are built around the theme of what is the kingdom of God like? Right. Or even towards the end of his ministry, you know, how do we, uh, the, the parables that deal with the master that goes away and the servants are waiting for the return or whatever. I mean, a lot of that is, is, is teaching us how to live, right? How do we live awaiting the return of the master? What are those kinds of things looks like? So there is a a heavy um, emphasis even in Jesus' teaching on what does it look like to follow me in, in this world in which we live. So. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, I, Charlie, I just say I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I enjoyed last uh, last segment when we dealt with, uh, like, what is a pastor? I enjoyed that a lot, and that's certainly foundational. But I think you and I both have a uh, uh, our, our hearts and disposition are are closely drawn, and we have a passionate a passion about the subject of preaching and teaching in the church because we value its place yeah, in the body. And so, I'm really enjoying our uh, walk through these passages, and now this walk through this theology, and specifically today, as you led us through looking at this snapshot of what Jesus models for us and teaches teaches us about teaching in the New Testament. I really appreciate your time and you walking us through this today. Uh, yeah, glad to. This is, uh, I think, like you said, I mean, a very, a topic that we're both both very passionate about. We think that, I mean, I think that what we might call pastoral preaching, if we ever settle on a term that we actually want to use, is is integral to the life of the church, and, and necessary for uh, sound churches, and, and and for us to to flourish in the midst of this um, <laughs> topsy turvy world, I guess to say the least. So. Well, very good. And uh, to our listeners, thank you guys for joining us again today. Uh, More than you know, we appreciate you spending your time with us to uh, walk with us through these very important subjects. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. And we look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening. For more resources on pastoral ministry, visit us at faithfulpastor.com. And to learn more about training to become a pastor, visit us at nobts.edu.